0: Learning is a journey, right? Right. And we have to design them. And that's what we're going to talk about today on this episode of The Learning Geeks. Coming up now. You know, I forgot to tell you guys that when I was at Star Wars Celebration, I met a woman dressed as Yoda who had the seagull on her head. <laughs> I did and, see that on your Instagram. You post. did, yeah. And, and yeah. she yeah, yeah. And, and she gave me a button um, that it was Yoda saying, you know, seagulls, stop me now. And uh, <laughs> so I got one. I tried to get I tried to get one for each of you, I couldn't, but I do have one and maybe we can just pass it around. Next Ooh, time I see you, we can bring
1: it. it, we can circulate yeah, it. We okay. can circulate
0: it. Yeah, we can circulate it. So that's good. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. You're going to say something. I cut you off.
2: No, well, I was just going to say for those who don't know, Seagulls, which is our theme song, is just to check it out with uh, the bad lip reading, because I know that we've, we haven't mentioned it in a long time. So if you do want to see the actual song or hear the actual song, search bad lip reading Seagulls. Really funny. Have fun with it. Really
0: funny. Exactly. Okay, so welcome now to this episode of the Learning Geeks. This is Bob Gerard. I am joined by Dana Cock and Mr. Jedi, at least that's the name he records as Jake Gittleson. Hello, Jake. Yep.
1: Hey, hey Jake you there?
0: And you guys are somewhere in Illinois and I am somewhere in California, but we are united together by the power of the internet into our <laughs> Learning Geeks Lounge. And, uh, it's great to talk to you guys again.
1: Yeah. And it was good to be with you earlier in the week, Bob. I think we had, uh, it was, yeah, yeah, we were able to test out a, I thought it was a great, uh, escape room like game. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that too, just briefly.
0: We could, could. well, we, we actually tested three game experience, learning game experiences. We did. And, um, very happy with all of those. It was, it was one of those good tests where you learned a lot that you can, apply and make it better. And also at the same time, reassured you that your design was sound.
1: Yeah. So and that's and what, what I walked away with from that. Yeah. There. What I walked away with uh, is just a reinforcement that it's good to test early and often, right? You come up with a design, you test yes. it. And then the things that don't work, you get rid of the things that do work, you magnify and enhance. And I think that's uh, that's that's just good practice when you're designing a learning experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, Hey, just a couple of other things of housekeeping before we dive into our topic for today. Uh, Dana, you've got a trip coming up, right?
1: I do. Yeah. I'm heading out to the ATD international conference and exposition or ice as it is affectionately known in the ATD circles. And, uh, I'm actually presenting, I'll be sharing some of our uh, research around learning in the future and for any of our listeners who happen to be there on Wednesday, I'm in the 10 to 11 o'clock session, and it is labeled ATD Forum Five. Be the hero. Benchmarking learning in the future. If you swing by, oh, I've got be a bunch the of hero. yeah. Be the hero. <laughs> um, I've got a bunch of bookmarks that I'm giving out uh, that uh, have these the eight key findings on it. So uh, if you're if you're there, swing by, and I'll give you a bookmark, and uh, maybe we'll chat a little bit.
0: Nice. Now you are obviously piggybacking off of the success of Avengers Endgame when you chose Be the Hero.
1: I am as the title. obviously mm-hmm. leveraging something that you shared with me. You said incorporate the learner and help them to in into titles. So Oh right. yeah.
0: That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yes. And uh and by the way, um last night we went to see John Wick 3, Parabellum. Oh, yeah. If you if if you're into the John Wick movies, I am. I like which him. I am. <laughs> I I'm really going to be bold and say this was my favorite movie all year. Oh wow. And yes, I liked it more than Endgame. I did. Jackson agreed with me. My son Jackson agreed with me. So Sherry, not so much. She liked it, but she was like, it gets a little tedious. So, okay. so your mileage may vary, but John wait <laughs> for you, may vary. It's <laughs>
2: entertaining. It's a, they're entertaining movies. So, but yeah, yeah, it's on my list. Yeah,
0: that's great. And then, um, kind of, upcoming show potential topics i'm expecting my oculus quest to arrive on tuesday so i'm hoping maybe we could talk about that on the next show about our experience with that yeah that'd be good Uh, yeah was there anything else jake that we wanted to talk about no i mean and,
2: and, and i don't know if we mentioned the oculus quest we did before but um it is a all wireless so no pc no wires uh thing and we just think it's a kind of a cool gadget to test out because yeah. that's the space. I think everybody has always talked about with anything with VR, you're always tethered to a PC and yes, the graphics are great, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of the middle between there was a huge middle gap. I think where the, there was this very plain, basic VR where you put your phone in and then there was this more high end where you're tethered to a PC, but there's a lot of opportunity, I think in the middle. I mean, when right. you say that, Bob, yeah, yes,
0: exactly.
1: What's the difference between the quest and the go? So the
0: quest has six degrees of freedom while the go only has three. And what that means in non nerd speak is (laughs) uh, I'll do it the other way. Please go. You can move your head in any direction, but if you move throughout the Mm -hmm. room, it has no idea where you're moving throughout the room. That's three Mm -hmm. degrees of freedom, but six degrees of freedom You can move your head all around, you can pivot your head, but you can move in the room and it knows where you are. So now your actual room becomes a virtual room and a virtual space. So a lot more powerful experiences that you can create with that.
1: Does it also like uh, recognize that you're about to walk into a lamp that you may not be able to see in your headset?
0: Yes, it does. It does. And it does it in a really cool way. But I'm gonna suggest we stop talking about this now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and wait, leave cool. it for the next broadcast. Because well, otherwise, we could completely change. The- so wait, wait. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what are we gonna talk about? Today? Yeah, learning journeys. <laughs> which, by the way, I hate the learning word. I, I hate the word journey now. I, I like it's just so overused. They use
1: it. Oh, embrace it. Bob. They
0: use it on Survivor. The other on the finale of Survivor, everybody's like, "Well, you all know my journey." Give me a (laughs) million dollars. Okay, I get that. I I think we at
1: first, and then everybody else has just been taking it away. Yeah,
0: so so we are going to talk about that. You know, last week I had a, a kind of a design problem that I brought to the table, and you guys helped me think about it, and we got some really good ideas, which, by the way, my team did listen to and take notes on, and we're now implementing a lot of the ideas that we came up with, so thank you for that. And Dana, I think, has a similar challenge or opportunity around a learning journey so Dana we will let you introduce this and then let's workshop it a little bit
1: yeah great so i've been working with a team and uh, we're trying to figure out how to articulate so that all sponsors involved and all the team members involved understand what the experience of the learner is going to be and, and when i say that i'm i'm thinking about you know what types of assets from a blend are they going to have? And when are they going to experience them and will they be able to go deep on certain concepts and just a, a, visualization of what the, I'm trying not to use the word journey, but I'm going to anyway, what the journey of the learner is going to be throughout the experience as they're going perhaps from, you know, knowledge to, to skills and application. And so what, what's the whole picture? Um, and so I thought it would be good if we just kind of bantered that around. I know, uh, both of you have developed some really nice ones over the years. Uh, Jake, I know you used to just kind of sketch some out on your, uh, on your whiteboard and then take pictures and send it off. And so, I mean, they don't need to be, uh, highly detailed, but sometimes when you do that, they end up, uh, you know, getting nice, nice visualizations afterward. But that, that's what I thought we would, uh, that's where I thought our discussion could go today. Um, and maybe we should just start by saying, you know, a little bit more on, on what is it? How, how would you guys define what a, a learning journey map is?
2: Uh, you, know, you know, for me, I think of it as more, I started off as more of a story narrative, right? It's just, and I, it's usually done in a visual way, which you, you mentioned, and it allows you to walk through the story of what the learner is going to experience from the moment of first touch. Right, so from the first moment that they ever touched this overall learning experience to the moment that you've hopefully achieved that in those intended outcomes that you defined. And it's, a, it's really great to look the, at it from the macro level at the very beginning. And also, to it, it, it kind of forces you to think less about the actual solutions that are going to occur. You think more about what are we trying to achieve Can we see this in a visual way from kind of, like I said, from first touch to the end and I'm using end in air quotes. I can't, you can't see that on the podcast, (laughs) right? But I'm using the end, game, you know, but in a way that it gets you to see that holistic journey, um, of, and again, I know Bob, you're probably going to talk about the ups and downs too, Mm -hmm. um, but it does allow you to see that visual, and I think it's a great first step, and it's not set in stone. That's what's key. It's not set in stone. It just gets you to start the conversation and then, again, constantly think at that macro level, which I think it's it's very easy to jump into the very details of solutions and ideas, and you, know, you want to play, let, let's create a game, let's create this awesome e-learning. And you want to do all that stuff, but... This forces you to step back and really think of how are we going to achieve what we really want this individual to achieve. And it's very much a human-centered
0: approach. You just hit on some magic words there in saying human-centered, Jake, uh, because a journey map is a technique that's common to design thinking and human-centered yep. centered design, right? I mean, that is usually a an artifact that most projects take and really considering um, what will an approach what a person's experience through a learning journey.
1: (laughs) See, you don't have, you just gotta say it.
0: Okay, so (laughs) moratorium, I'm not gonna, we can use journey all we want until we come up with a better word that we're gonna (laughs) delete. So, um, you know, what will that journey be like in really thinking through that? Because conversely, you just kind of throw things at people and let it happen. You don't think about it and then it's not as powerful as it could be. Right.
2: Exactly. And the other thing too, Dana, like one of the things that I really appreciate whenever I've done these, one of these activities is again, it's not just you do this one day, you do it over time, but it gets you to think about the actual user stories, the activities that you want, or you would like a, a learner to go through uh, the big touch points, the pain points, the emotions that the user experience is, is going to probably experience and you could do that from the initial data that you've obtained or grabbed or you know had already from maybe some interviews surveys and all that Mm -hmm. but it's also good to test that journey out especially if you're doing kind of an as is to a 2b if you do a 2b you can get user data right away and say what if this was your next what if this was actually occurred to you in your current journey what do you think about it and you can get real input right there and then you can constantly iterate it that's what i think is is super great you're not presenting a, a, a PowerPoint or a presentation on what it should be. And it, it kind of feels like that's already set in stone doing it more in this journey map approach already feels like it's it's iterative and and it, and it should be.
1: It's a design artifact that we're creating. And I guess one of the questions I'd have, and we kind of hit on some of the, the points, but w- what makes a good, a good one? So I'll weigh in there. Um,
0: I always like to think of, one of these in terms of a story. And I think what makes what makes a good learning journey is that there's a good story through it. And when I say that, and Jake touched on this a little bit earlier, sometimes that is a it's an actual narrative, right? It's like you are following a story like a story you might read in a book or a story that you might watch in a movie um and that is the foundation of the learning experience and you know that technique was really common kind of back in the day and we still use this technique sometimes of of creating learning experiences that are very focused very immersive simulations um you know mm-hmm. way back in the day um goal based scenarios the entire week long class would revolve around one story so you have to think you know who is the client what's the industry Um, what is the, the problem that they have? What are the challenges? How can the learners come up with solutions to those channels, those challenges that they can then present to the clients. And it is, as you're thinking about this journey in terms of a story, it is laying out uh, like a narrative, but even if you're not doing a simulation like that, even if it doesn't revolve around a story, you want to use the principles of what makes a good story as you're thinking through these, and I just kind of telegraphed them. Um, if you haven't heard this before, I love to say, uh, what makes a good story is that it's about a hero who wants something or needs something and has to overcome challenges to get it. So you want to think about when you're thinking through your learning journey, who is the hero? Well, the hero is probably going to be the learner, right? Um, what is it that they want or they need ostensibly, uh, hopefully not too ostensibly, but, but for sure uh, what they need is to master the learning objectives. And then what are the challenges that are going to get in the way of them mastering it and how do you overcome them? And, you know, those are the beats in your learning journey where they are taking on one of those challenges And then doing whatever it takes to overcome it until you get to the uh, conclusion at the end. So that is always uh, a framework that I keep in mind as I'm plotting out a learning journey to help it work.
2: Yeah, I like that.
1: One of the things that you hit on was, uh, and Jake, you hit on this too, is uh, one of the key inputs is an understanding of the audience. right? In, In your phraseology, Bob, it's like the hero, define the hero. you need to know who the audience is in order to create an effect. You need to know who's going on the journey. Right. And then I like the, I I like the other idea around key inputs are, you know, what's the audience, what are the goals or outcomes, what are the challenges or obstacles they might hit? And you know, what's the, what's the resolution that will, um, bring them to the end of the journey jake i cut you off what what uh, you were about to say something before I? oh up.
2: no no i was just gonna say i really like that i i liked the, using the elements and bob even heard the the beats term which is a pixar term right i mm-hmm. know it's probably used elsewhere but it made me think of pixar um you know an, another thing too about journey maps that i really like um in bob as you were saying about the beats and, and thinking about you know again the ups and downs and what people are going to go through in their story and their narrative it also gets you as a as a learning designer to think about uh, when is a good time for people to start to practice, get in those reps. When is a good time to put in natural or not natural, but really good white space, positive white space. Um, and 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 again, talking about with our last episode, it's a way to avoid cramming everything in into those. Let's call them the beats or the events that we typically do. Right, but cramming everything into like an e-learning module, cramming everything into a in-person session. It's, it really allows you to step outside of our typical controlled environments that we usually design, right? For those instructor led things, or maybe what you design during your lesson plan for the week, or again, any e-learning module. And it gets you to think about what happens when they return to work? What happens when they go home? You know, what happens then? Um, you know the journey is going to constantly go on for that individual, and how are they going to again, start to more transfer that information into knowledge and then eventually pr- practice that to further build their knowledge, build their build their mental representations, all of it. But it really does allow you to see that larger picture. So again, it forces you to uh, you know really avoid, Cramming everything into those one or two events that you may have you may have done typically.
1: So, Jake, what you're hitting on is a uh, journey map can also help you to bring out um, the durability factors, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, how do you how do you show where the white space is, and how do you show where they're going to be in a generative state, or how do you show the uh, the relevance in the context? I mean. I think that's a great use of that, and you can even be very intentional in calling out. Yeah, at this point in the learning journey, uh, there needs to be the the space, right, to allow them to reflect and and um, write in their journals or whatever it might be. Right. It,
2: and and what we're kind of talking about, I think, at least with I am, I'm thinking very much at a very high level strategic level, right from maybe mm-hmm. again first yeah. touch the end, but you can do these techniques at that strategic level as well as at the more uh, micro level, yeah. which is let's say you have a course that you're working on. Um, you could do it there too, but what I think is so important for anybody that's in this profession, as well as even teachers as well, is to think about what happens beyond that that, that moment. and that can, even if it's just at a shorter time scale right? It does get you to think about what happens. And I hate the word pre-rec and post-rec because I think it just doesn't matter. Think of, If you do think of that experience as a quote-unquote journey, right? From first touch to the end, it could be shorter and it could be larger, but it does get you to think about what are the what are people going to experience from the first moment, from that first communication to the first support that I get from people. It just, again, it doesn't matter. Again, it's, a, it's, all, it's all relative in terms of what you're working on, um, I just tend to think more strategic uh, mm-hmm. whenever I do this because I like thinking at that level to then dive into the to the detail because I know that I feel better and more confident that I'm working on the right uh, learning intervention when I do that.
0: Yeah. And I kind of do whatever resolution I think would be helpful, right? So uh, quote unquote resolution while wow, we are really with the Vocabulary today, quote unquote, and strike that down and all that kind of stuff. But by resolution, I I mean like, what what scale are you looking at for your journey map, right? So, you know, it could be the time frame on a journey map could be multiple years, or it could be a a, a week, or it could be a day, or it could be a one-hour e-learning module that you're looking at the journey. Um, And you know, it's really kind of fractally right? Because you you see the similar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fractally
1: (laughs) resolution is, yeah. Right. But (laughs) you know, you,
0: you see the same, you see the same patterns in that journey map, whether you're looking at it on a one hour basis or whether you're looking at it as a one year basis.
1: Let me toss out another question. Um, how do you go about creating one? What's, what's, what are some tips and ideas about creating a, a good one? So one technique that has worked
0: for me is, um, it's kind of applying another factor to the journey that we haven't talked about so far, which is, um, I I think of it as energy. Um, and by energy without getting, you know, too cosmic on you, it's more, um, what do we want kind of the emotional affect of our participants To be, And I'll even basically just say happiness, right? Happiness, excitement. Um, If you think of, you've got a graph where the vertical axis is the closer you are to the top, you're happy, you're excited, you're pumped up, you're amped up. That's towards the top. And towards the bottom, you're a little bit mellower, maybe more reflective. Maybe you're a little bit scared or a little intimidated or a little overwhelmed. Um, I would call that lower levels of energy and I've got a, and this is one moment when I wish we had a visual, uh, podcast, uh, but I have kind of a template that I draw where you start at a zero point and you peak up high really quickly, but then shortly after that you drop down low to the lowest point that you're going to have throughout your learning experience. And then it gradually ramps back up to where it's higher than that first peak moment that you had. So it's kind of a, kind of an S shape, um, protracted out towards the end, but I guess it would be a backwards S. Um, I throw that on a piece of paper and then I lay my time frame that I'm looking at on that. And I realize I want to kind of try to control the experience to have that, factor. So I want to start with a high energy beginning. I want people to be excited about whatever they're learning in that moment and to hit a key point and feel excited and confident and really jazzed about it. And then after that, we want to kind of drop the energy down low. And again, mapping it back to the story beats, it's kind of like that's at the point of the hook where the hero, we know what the hero wants, uh, and they have to make a decision to go for it, which can be kind of an intimidating, scary, your energy kind of drops low because, you know, you know, you're going to face a bunch of challenges in getting to that. Um, it sinks down to that bottom point and then gradually builds back up until you end on a higher energy level than where you started. So, so that's a technique that I use is I will just, you know, say I'm doing a learning experience that I think is going to be a week long. I'll start with day zero uh, on the left, day five on the right. I'll draw that chart and then I'll start thinking about what, again, to use that word beats, what are the beats that will push my participants along that gra- that that, um, that line uh, to get to the point where they grow and they, they wind up at the end and they've learned everything that we've learned and they're very excited and happy about it.
1: So a couple of things that are coming out that I hadn't necessarily thought about before, um, and I, I really appreciate that, is, is that you can use the journey map to, again, Jake, to earlier discussion, to kind of map out durability elements. But Bob, you're also saying you can be mapping out the energy level uh, and, and some of those yeah. factors. Um, so, I mean, we're talking about some, some reasons that we may want to do it um what are some other reasons obviously there's the the ability to communicate effectively with everybody on the team kind of the the strategy that we're implementing but what are some other reasons that uh we might want to create one of these things
2: so for me one of the techniques that i always do before i even get started with one of these um you know an actual like let's say someone that's really experienced in design thinking and does design for a living i know we do but I I think of designers that are at another level than I am, right? Like people Um, like
0: IDEO or something who are designing the new mouse or, you know, the new iPhone or something, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. And they may, they may use a different term or different method, but a lot of the time it's reframing the problem, right? Um, That's usually a method, but at the most simple level, what I like to really try to get out of people that are on this is why are you even doing this? And don't ask me, don't tell me why from a business perspective, because what I want to get out of it, what I'm trying to get out of it is, I always say, give me one or two sentences of why you think this is important. And and it takes a long time. Usually it starts with like three, four paragraphs, and then it it's breaks down. And I, I keep probing them to to break it down further and further. And what it does is it gets people to think at that human centered part piece, right? Me as a person, me as a learner, me, it's going through this, what's the emotional impact that's going to make on me? or, or what is it going to do for me as a person? And it really it, again, identifies the why. And, and then eventually then you can recreate and reframe your problem, I think, after that. that's that's usually my method. And then eventually it goes right into, okay, based on that, we all agree, we believe. And yeah. why this is really important as a group, you get that that feeling of believing, and that can really be uh, the the theme right throughout your story of what you're trying to trying to do. And as you create this journey, you're always linking to that in some way. And I and I guess Bob, so your how you do it, which is very similar how I do. I don't maybe think as detailed as a story perspective, but I really try to tie in emotions mm-hmm. when I through those ups and downs. It's very similar to energy. Um, But again, making sure that people are seeing them themselves are believing in that why, in that personal relevancy piece that they have to identify themselves. We can't create it. We can do the best that we can. It's up to them to really do it. But by doing that practice up front as designers, hopefully it trickles down the the path where once you start to hand it off to the developers, once you start to hand it off to someone that's going to deliver it, the facilitator, whoever, they believe in it too. And I think it's just, it's just starts it off in the right foot. And it really does get you to start at the emotional human level.
1: So just, I wanted to toss out uh, another idea around uh, the actual creation of these things. I've done it where you sit in a room with a group of people and you have yellow stickies, right? And you, you post them up Mm -hmm. with different elements. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know you guys have used your um, iPads to kind of sketch some out or, uh, a legal pad, and just kind of write out the first the first iteration. and And I think you know one of the things that's important is that y- you think that it doesn't it doesn't have to be, you know, cast in solid metal, right, from the get go. It's it, it, to your point earlier, Jake, it's something where you put something out there and then you start shaping it. and as you shape it, particularly if you do it collaboratively, uh, you start to get kind of a collective intelligence about what the course is going to be, and uh, some of the some of the key things that you may have otherwise overlooked. So, um, variety of ways it can be created, but uh, you know, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever, as they say, whatever floats your boat. And uh, so, yeah. it's
2: definitely a collaborative process. It's yeah. not a yeah. co- you know, definitely a collaborative process. Yep. Yeah,
0: but that collaboration can take on different modes too, right? You know, yep. I mean, you you can all get together in one big room with a bunch of sticky notes and and flip charts and and do it all together as a community and I've done that and that's worked really well. Sometimes I like to just sit and do my first bare bones sketch, right? Mm-hmm. And and kind of yeah. do the best job that I can as my as my uh, on my own as myself and then take that to my team and community and say here's a straw man that I came up with. I am not emotionally tied to this let's start with this and rip it apart and make it better. And that's an approach that works well too. Yeah.
2: I use that technique, honestly. And I think I I like to start it with myself or even take it away myself. And I think for those that are consider themselves as designers, that's probably something you're going to do too. Um, But you know when it's the right time to bring people in. And I think that's Mm. what's important.
1: Well, guys, I can't believe that our time is already winding down. But any any last things that we should talk about uh, on this topic before we wrap things up?
0: You know, my my final word of wisdom is you can do this level of design. You can do it too little and you can do it too much, right? Like if you don't do it at all, you are you're not gonna get the benefit of the design and thinking it through in advance and making it as good as it can be. And by the other token, you can spend so much time on the design of trying to design something that is naturally going to be an organic experience because you're going to have more than one person involved and those people are going to be different. Uh, You can get yourself into analysis paralysis and you can over design. um, Mm -hmm. And that's just as, as challenging. So finding the good middle ground of, you know, what is the right level of design that we want to get to is something that I think you just kind of have to naturally feel for yourself and also navigate with your team and the people you're working with to say, you know, what level do we need to get this, this learning journey designed to,
1: in order for us to do the best job delivering it that we can. So the Goldilocks version, not too hot, not too cold. <laughs>
2: I, I, I totally agree. And, and also, when you if you haven't done this before, I totally recommend trying it. When you do search for journey maps and like those types of methods out there, I will forewarn you, you're going to get really complicated steps on how to create one. Just start simple. Like what Bob says, you don't have to go overly complex. It, it's not needed. Just start it off. Use a lot of your design expertise that you've done before in the past, and you'll see it. And then the second thing too that I think is really great about them Actually, is if you start, use it as an opportunity to start integrating more iterative processes within your designs. Like what things can I start to test and prototype? You can start to use it to see that and communicate it with whoever you're working with, like a stakeholder. Um, versus, again, just putting together a PowerPoint or whatever and pitching it and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is It's a good way to be iterative throughout it.
1: Well, guys, I really appreciate the input. This uh, I'm hoping that the team I'm working with will listen to this. I told them it was coming, so hopefully they'll listen <laughs> yeah, to it luck, and, uh, and we'll yeah. create just a phenomenal uh, learner journey map from this discussion.
0: Fantastic. So, Dana, I'm glad that this was useful for you and your team and your customers. That would be great. Hopefully, it was also useful for our listeners. We would love to hear what you think. So, keep your feedback coming. Uh, send us emails, hit us up on LinkedIn, reply, you know, whatever channel you are using to listen to this we'd love <laughs> Swing to hear by my from. ATD session do that yeah, Go yeah see that one do that that would be great uh but until we see you next time uh this is Bob on behalf of Jake and Dana thanks again for being here and we will see you next time thanks guys peace